in church until about five minutes ago. But, but um, it really is good to be together this morning. And, um, and uh, the reality is that um, God's an amazing God. And uh, what we've done in church over years is that we've compartmentalized things. We've said certain things are okay because they're spiritual and other things aren't. But actually, for family to be together and to laugh and rejoice is, is, is spiritual. Is actually that wonderful prayer that Christian prayed over us earlier as people receive the life of God. So it's great to, great to be together uh, this morning. Just a couple of things. Uh, firstly, is, is David, and Nat- David and Natalie here? Yeah. It's the first time back in church since they got married on a glorious day two weeks ago. So why don't we give them a good... <laughs> And we really do pray God will bless you both. Just to say also, on the back of Paul's great announcements this morning, tonight is our first ever Sunday service in the Leeming Street newly bought site. And uh, it starts at 6 o'clock. You can get the postcode if you need help with sort of satellite navigation or whatever from Christine or whoever is at the resource table afterwards. And simply just to say that if you don't normally come to Mansfield because this is your home and this is where you commit to, uh, but you'd like to come tonight, you really, really are, really are welcome. We, we filled the building with, with uh, sounds of hammers and saws and drills and people getting together. But tonight we're going to fill it with God's praise and something happens. So we're there at six, we're very excited about it. And thank you to everybody that's worked so hard over the last few weeks to bring us at least to a place where we can begin the journey, a long journey, a progressive journey, but a journey that begins tonight on on this Father's Day evening. So do be with us if you can. That's at 6 o'clock, and we pray the Lord will bless us. Just to say that we never had a chance in that tug of war. (laughs) Because that calzone, that picture I put on Twitter, was not... I have never seen a calzone as big in my life, and this man demolished it. It was incredible. So we never had a chance this morning. He's pumped. He's ready. And Caroline, by the way, he didn't eat too much well. <laughs> he was really trying to be good, you know. Uh, he heard the word of the Lord from you, you know. So <laughs> Just say that, <clears throat> I was saying this to Christian this morning. He spent four days up close and personal in the sense of, you know, uh, during the trip. And you perhaps want to sit, sit at the end of the road. But I think it reflects a little bit of just the what God's doing and done in us and our friendship in ministry. Actually, we sat together this morning. It was okay. Four full days. Uh, isn't sort of modern transport great? You know, we're in Bratislava Airport at 20 past eight last night, and here we are this morning, and uh, it was 1,800 miles away. And um, uh, God's just an amazing God, and building his church, sometimes in difficult circumstances, in context that we go and encourage. But I want you to know that Arena Church went this week. It wasn't just Christian and me. The journey of Arena Church, the passion of Arena Church, the community ministry of Arena Church, all those things just poured out of us to encourage your people to see that God wants to do a new thing amongst them. So we thank you for your prayers and for your enablement for us to do that. First time we've actually done mission together and it was just a great joy and we appreciate all that God is. Of course, we, I don't know whether Adriana's in this morning, but we've got a Slovakian representative in our church that lives here in Arena and so it's just a great connection to have all of that. Just for a few moments this morning, we just want to, I just want to bring just a, a thought or two around the, the, the Word of God. We're a church that believes in the Bible, not a Bible of the past, not a dusty book that keeps doors open, but a living Word that changes people's lives forever, and He's still doing it in 2013. And um, 
we, we just want to sow a word into your heart this morning. And if you've got a Bible or you want just to listen to me, then the verse I want to just share from, from, a, from a moment is found in Romans chapter 8. It's in the New Testament. And it says this. It says, the spirit you received, the Holy Spirit, does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about adoption to sonship. And by him, that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. That's good news. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our lives. It's a miracle, but we become a temple of the Spirit, and God begins to minister in our lives. Is this mic okay, Danny? Yeah, okay. And um, he begins to minister into our lives and uh, and touch us and minister to us. And uh, somebody calculated once that actually when we become believers, there's about 42 things that take place in us. Now, it takes you a lifetime to work some of them out. But God works in us. One of the things he does, he brings us to a place of not only being born again, a born-again Christian, born into the family, but also alongside that, receiving the spirit of adoption by where we cry, Abba, Father. <clears throat> Let me try and illustrate this. Some good friends of ours have recently gone on the process of adoption. Uh, we became very good friends at Bible College 34, 35 years ago. And uh, the result of that was that when we got married, uh, not long after finishing Bible College, it, it, me in Yorkshire and him in Scotland, he was my best man and I was his best man. And we were just on the phone again the other week. We don't talk that regularly, but whenever we pick the phone up, there's a friendship there. <clears throat> and uh, they've got four great kids uh, that uh, are now grown up. And uh, Hazel, that's Kevin's wife, used to uh, have a, a brother that's now with Jesus that was very severely handicapped. And they just had a passion for ministering out to uh, someone broken in that capacity. So over the last couple of years, they've gone on a journey that's similar age to me. So, you know, it's a, it's a sacrificial call to do that. When you've raised your own family, when you're perhaps breathing a few sighs of relief, when they're beginning to sort of come to maturity and make their own way in life, they felt touched of God to adopt a, a very severely handicapped little boy and bring him into all the rights of their family. Not out there, but here. Not to say, well, you know, you're not as important as our four kids, but you're as important. And the social services and the people that have been involved in relating to them are amazed at the change in this little lad. I mean, just the brokenness of this little boy's life in just the few years he's been on the earth. The heavens come to him. And it's amazing. And this, after, this morning, you may say, well, I, I feel a bit out here. You know, I, I don't think that God could ever love me. But here's the truth today. That as we invite God to become our friend, and as we go on a journey of following him, he says that my spirit comes to dwell in you. And he brings you to a place where you can understand that you're not only born again, born into the family, but you've received the spirit of adoption. All the rights of everybody else in this church to be children of God are yours All the privileges, all the blessings, they're yours. You don't have to be out there. You can be drawn in close. And through that spirit, as you respond to it, we cry, Abba, Father. It's an Aramaic term. It's trying to convey intimacy. It's daddy. That's what it literally means. And some of you today have perhaps called your dad daddy. It's an affectionate term. It draws you close in. It brings something from you to him that reflects a deep relationship. And that's what God says about all of this and it's my joy this morning for a few moments to celebrate this great day and I want to say friends that something's happening around the nation because I I find that increasingly churches are rising to uh, respond to celebrating this day 
And uh, it, it seems to me that, if, going back to what Paul shared earlier, there is almost a prophetic intent about it. And I want to say, Paul, that I believe you're absolutely right this morning. Because I believe with all my heart, and if I can say it with humility, I spoke into this three or four years ago, that I believe that for Marina Church, God wants to release a Father spirit in these days that will impact hundreds and hundreds of people. And I say this very sensitively this morning, but also to young men who led us so well earlier that maybe have not yet become biological fathers. Actually, you can carry a father spirit to a broken generation as people look for you. I'll come back to it just at the very end as to how we can reflect that. It's not just something we're doing because we couldn't think of a better idea. It's not just a nice idea. This is a prophetic statement of Arena Church this morning, that we believe, one, in the Father heart of God, but also that we want to reflect the Father heart of God to a knee-deep, broken world. Let's face it, friends. Fathering and fathers often get a bad press. Sometimes there's an attack upon them. Sometimes there's an erosion of their responsibilities. And yes, there's even a derision. And we've reaped a harvest. I don't know whether Paul was reading the same report as me, but here's a report from Monday's press after the weekend, which says that there are a million children growing up in the UK without any specific connection to a father. And some of these communities have 70 plus percent of the community without a father figure. And they've been described by the Centre for Social Justice that produced the report as men deserts. And the reality is, friends, that in that context... Financially, relationally, socially, spiritually, psychologically, we have, re- we have reaped a whirlwind that is costing our nation millions and millions and millions of pounds a year. Now, sometimes that's a reflection of sin because fathers have been feckless. And this year, I celebrate 30 years of being part of the Fathers' Union. Our Miriam's 30 in October. And uh, so I've had a little bit of practice at being a dad. <clears throat> and I've sometimes got it wrong. But the reality is she ran me up this morning. <clears throat> and the best thing she could say to me this morning is, Dad, I'm just off to church. I thought I'd catch you. Brilliant. She's on a journey of still following Jesus. And uh, the reality is, friends, that God wants us in these days to reach out in an amazing way to touch people's hearts. So sometimes it's been our fault as dads. And you may be here this morning. I hope you heard Christians pray. Because it may be that there's somehow there's a cringing and a shrinking inside. But God wants you to come to a new day. And to push aside the things that may have gone wrong, to start to implement the things that can go right for the glory of God and for the praise of his name. But the reality is that sometimes also there's been a a sense of undermining. And in our church, we've got amazing heroes of uh, single parents that raise families in amazing ways. And we champion that cause. We really, really do. And you need to hear that this morning. But we also want to champion the cause of fathers in the house. And I'm so thankful that actually Arena Church, with the greatest respect, ladies, is not a lifeboat. Women and children first. You see, the problem with some men coming to church is when they arrive here, there's no men to come to. And there's some blokes in our church, proper blokes, that have found that Jesus Christ is the most important person in their life and are going to serve him come what may. And that's amazing. I tell you, friends, it blesses me. And we thank God for that. If you're a bloke today and you think that because you're a bloke, you've got to become a wimp to become a Christian. It's the biggest lie you could ever buy into. You've got to really bloke up if you want to follow Jesus Christ. You really have. And so that spirit of God comes to us and ministers to us. And last Sunday night, as we enjoyed great ministry from Pastor David Hines from Trinity Life Church in Leicester, he spoke out of one of his life messages into Mansfield. He gave a great message on 
reflecting on just exactly what God is like. And I just really want to build upon that for a moment this morning because here's the question, what is God like? And it's a difficult question to answer. The Bible says in John chapter 4 that God is spirit and that we must worship him in spirit and truth. Some people want to explain God at times, but if you can explain God, it won't be much of a God. Friends, he's in time and out of time. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He created the worlds and put them in their place. He's an amazing, amazing God. But here's a picture, and he gives many pictures in the Bible to illustrate what he's like. This picture's about Jesus. This picture's about the Holy Spirit. This picture's about the church. They're all there to draw us in, to help us to understand something of what God is like. Jesus said in John 14 and 9 that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they're called the good news books. You'll read Jesus healing people. You'll read of Jesus taking little ones in their arms and blessing them. You'll read of Jesus when everybody else was saying, shut up, he's not bothered about you, saying to Bartimaeus, what is it that you want? I'd like to see. And he prayed for him. You'll read of Jesus being moved with compassion. And so we could go on. You'll read of Jesus feeding hungry people, literally, with a few loaves and fish. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what the Father's like, then read about Jesus. And then here in the message that I read, uh, or, or the verse that I read in, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes on the scene as well, working in tandem with Jesus to say to us that by that Spirit that works within us, We receive adoption that causes us to cry. Daddy, Abba Father. So, well, that's all right for you, Phil, but it's a real blockage for me. And uh, it's all right for you because, well, you know, maybe you've sorted it all out. Well, I'm on the journey of sorting it all out. That's discipleship. And it may be that your father has been errant. It may be that he's been erratic. It may be that he's been emotionally and relationally distant. And so when I talk about God being a father this morning, you think, it's the last thing I need. But I want you to be drawn in this morning, in these moments that we've got, to realize that whatever picture you conjure up in your mind and in your heart right now, God is always bigger than that. Here's three things that people wrestle with. And if I can say this this morning, the application of the message is widened to men because it's something that actually impacts us all. Three simple things that very often we wrestle with, with understanding what God's like, And when he reveals himself as a father. Number one, we feel unloved and therefore unaccepted. Sharon and me over the journey of ministry have had grown men. I'm talking about grown men, 30, 40, 50 years of age, weeping in prayer. We were on Sunday ministry out just some months ago. There was a man well in his 50s, similar age to me, weeping on my shoulder. He says, I says, how can I pray for you? He says, my dad never told me he loved me. Wrecked carried it for years and we bring that to the father we think that God doesn't love us and therefore we're not accepted and here it is today you don't have to be accepted in God by passing all your exams you don't have to be accepted in God by getting the highest place in your job you don't have to be accepted in God to be that greatest goal scorer because your dad always wanted you to be a footballer and you've turned out to be a golfer you don't have to do any of those things Because he accepts you, he accepts you, he accepts you simply because he loves you. He loves you. And God demonstrated his love. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, even while we were yet sinners, even while we were far off, he demonstrated his love to us. 
God lavished his love upon us and called us sons. God was great in his love and seated us in heavenly places, not under things but over them. And God brings corrective love to our lives to shape us. Romans 12 verses 6 to 12. In other words, whom the, lo- whom the Father loves, he disciplines. He brings shape to our lives. You see, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you far more, too much to leave you just as you are. He wants to shape you into the person that God has called you to be. And this morning, God says, come to me afresh. Don't stay unloved and therefore unaccepted, but realize that I love you. Unmistakably, And unconditionally, as Philip Yancey said, a prophetic statement to the church, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. Secondly, friends, we sometimes feel unforgiven and therefore guilty. Here's the good news this morning. In case you're wondering, we've all done things wrong. Not just you. We've all done things wrong. We've all missed the mark. Just like I was just sort of, Feeling my way originally. Remember who won on our team, by the way, okay. (laughs) In ancient times in this country, they'd have archery competitions. And if they missed, it was pronounced as a sin. S-Y-N-N-E. Old English. That's what it means. Miss the mark. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Therefore, we've all fallen, felt guilty. But he doesn't want us to stay guilty. He says this morning... Not guilty. You see, the Bible tells us in the Psalms that he forgives us all our wrongs. And he goes on to say in Psalm 130 that he doesn't even keep a record. Have you ever been in a situation, perhaps husband and wife or maybe husband and, and, uh, and child, and you think that you've been forgiven, but then something sort of kicks off and you say, and all of a sudden there's reference made to two and a half years ago. You know, when you said, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness forgets. Forgiveness moves on. Forgiveness puts it to the past. Here's what one great, great preacher said on Twitter, even this last couple of days. He said, if God forgives wrongs you've confessed, why do you keep reminding yourself? It's gone. Never to be remembered anymore. What? All those words that I said, gone. What? All those thoughts, gone. What? All those bad gone. Why do you keep reminding yourself of them? God says, I've forgiven you. Not only forgiven you, I don't keep a record. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. Forgiveness is to look upon someone or look upon something as though the offense has never been committed. Friends, you don't need to feel guilty today because Jesus reveals the heart of the Father and through the power of the cross, he says, not guilty. And thirdly, Sometimes we feel unworthy and therefore anxious. It's an awful place to be. That whatever we do for somebody, it's never going to be good enough. And so the anxiety of failure forever rules our life. Listen, God's called people to serve. I believe even in this church this morning, God's given people a picture of what he's called them to serve him in. To give your life a fresh sense of motivation. It's not about you, it's about him. He's called you to serve. But listen... He's not called you to serve him to gain acceptance. He's called you to serve him from acceptance. He's not called you to serve him so that one day he might slap you around the head and say, mate, it was never good enough. That's religion. He's called you to serve him because you're an accepted son and daughter. And he says, go on. That's your destiny in life. And therefore, we don't have to do it anxiously. What's God like? 
God's loving. God's forgiving. God's accepting. And if we give time, friends, today to that in Jesus' name, then I believe that God will move in an amazing way. Because of the nature of the week, there was some final preparation this morning for the message. And as I wrote this verse, as I wrote this little piece, I just felt there was almost like a pause that God wanted to bring. Something that he just wanted to sow into people's lives to say that if you will draw to the Father's heart, God's going to bring a breakthrough. God's going to bring a release. God's going to bring renewal in your inner being. God's going to bring a new day. I want to say to people, that if you'll go on this journey of coming to God's Father heart, I want to say to you, don't be afraid of emotion. Because some of you are going to find a quiet place with God over the next days and weeks, and you're going to break your heart. You're not going to be able to articulate why. You're not going to be able to understand it. There's going to be blokes around this room that are going to be so touched by the Father heart of God that there are things that are going to be released from you that you've held for years. Don't second guess it. Don't overanalyze it. God the Father is just going to come and touch you in Jesus' name. There are people that have carried some imaginations in their heart that have caused them to find it really, really difficult to come to God as Father. And God says, that season of release is coming to me so that you can have a relationship that you've never, ever had before. And how do we respond to that? Well, dads, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, be imitators of me. It literally means mimic me. And of course, kids mimic people. You know, if Rooney throws his shirt off, all the kids on the park are doing it the following Saturday. I hope they're not going to bite people next year, but we won't go there. (laughs) Sorry, Christian. Be imitators of me. My dad's a widower. And uh, he's 87, and he's pretty immobile nowadays. And um, yeah, he's probably one of the most inoffensive, uncomplaining people on the planet. He's amazing, and I honor him. And uh, <clears throat> if you think my ear's bad, I've never known my dad with ear. He's 24 on his wedding photograph, and it had nearly all gone. So God's been quite kind, quite kind. Uh, <laughs> I wish he'd been a little kinder. <laughs> And now it's going another colour as well. Ooh. <laughs> it's the ministry. Uh, <laughs> but Sharon says to me, she said it to me just the other week, she says, oh, she says, you are getting so like your dad. Mannerisms, expressions, responses. And that's simply it today, guys. That Father could look from heaven and say, I see a bunch of guys across Arena Church. They're getting so like me. It's amazing. You see, because as he is loving and forgiving and accepting, he calls for a father's spirit to arise from the church today to be loving, forgiving and accepting. Did you know there are people out there that don't even feel worthy yet to come through the doors? Did you know that there are people that think that they've done so many things wrong that they couldn't possibly be forgiven? Did you realize that some people still believe the church doesn't love? And God calls us to a new day. It's not just about Father's Day. It's a call. It's a call to our nation. It's a call across the nations of the earth. For us all, if I can include you ladies this morning, to increasingly become just like Dad.
And as we receive that, I believe that the pictures that Christian painted to us prophetically in prayer this morning are going to come to pass. Because people are thirsty for this. They're thirsty to come to Father and to realize that they don't have to live in a place of unacceptance. They don't have to be in a place where they feel unforgiven. They don't have to be in a place where they're anxious. Graham Kendrick wrote a song. He says, in whom all families are blessed, you give me life forever. My, you forgive my past. Now in your arms I'm safe at last. I love the way you father me. Father me forever, you'll father me. And in your embrace I'll forever secure be. I love the way you father me. Friends, this is what God's like. A loving father that demonstrated in Jesus through the power of the cross and leaves the Holy Spirit in the earth today to say, you know, if you'll come to a place of opening your heart to me, that spirit can dwell in your heart, bring you to a place of receiving the acceptance of the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry.